I invite you to open your Bibles to Psalm 16 as we get ready to hear the message this morning. So follow along as I read from the New International Version. Keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. I say of the holy people who are in the land, they are the noble ones in whom all is all my delight. Those who run after other gods will suffer more and more. I will not pour out libations of blood to such gods or take up their names on my lips. Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure. Because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful one see decay. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. The word of the Lord. Hello, everybody. I want to just say a few words uh, to all of us in this situation. And um, the first thing is to stay connected. And... um, to not get isolated. Uh, We need each other. And so the second thing would be, if you need help, just ask. That's why we are a family. We can help each other, whether it's through prayer or whatever the needs might be. And um, the third thing is that if you remember back, some of you at least remember what happened after September 11th, 2001, and there were a lot of people the following Sunday who came to church. They were looking for something more in their lives that would give them security. And the um, irony of our situation right now is that people can't, you can't go to church, right? So we're doing it this way. And so wherever you are, you are the light of the world, according to Jesus. And to be that light wherever you are um, it would be a wonderful thing. And if you have a story, this would be part of staying connected, but if you have a story of being a light in the world or you see God do something that might bring hope to the rest of us, please uh, share that with us. So let's get into our uh, sermon text this morning. And I want to begin by just saying that to be human is to be shaken. And it's a major theme in Scripture And, of course, it's a major theme in our lives. If you look in the Bible, I think probably the most, uh, the strongest voice that would say that would be the writer of Ecclesiastes, uh, the teacher there who says that everything is vaporous or or misty. Uh, There's nothing permanent to this life that we find ourselves in. And we, we are just fooling ourselves to think that there is. And then uh, in the New Testament, Peter, actually echoing Isaiah, the prophet, says that people are like grass. We are like the flowers of the field. Our glory is like the flowers of the field. And then he says that the grass withers and the flowers fade away. But the word of the Lord remains forever. 
And that, is a, that's, that theme is throughout Scripture. And if we look to science, we find something similar. Uh, there was a time when matter was considered something solid, and now, as I understand it, and um, this isn't my area of expertise, but that matter is actually a form of energy, and that all energy is ultimately being depleted, uh, the second law of thermodynamics. And so uh, we know that the sun will run out of energy in 4 billion years. And, uh, yeah, it's just nothing's permanent. Um, From our own American history, we have dates like October 29th, 1929, the great crash of the stock market. We have... um, uh, let's see, December 7th. i got to remember this one. My dad ran it into me when I was growing up. December 7th, 1941, and the Pearl Harbor attack. And then September 11th, 2001. And these are just reminders from our history that uh, life is not what we think it is. It's not permanent. Things are not as solid as we hoped they were or they, we thought they were. And then in our own personal histories, we have in our own scrapbooks of life, we have these pages that are about us being shaken and one example from mine is my mom calling on Easter of 1998 to say that uh, she had uh, cancer that was throughout her body and that she had been given six months to live and how that shook me at the time. So uh, being shaken is part of being human, and we find ourselves in that place uh, right now. And we want to allow God to speak to us. I want to introduce you uh, to an old friend of mine. I'm going to call this Psalm 16 an old friend of mine. And uh, make this introduction because I believe this psalm can help all of us as we are in this place. And we're going to look at these, uh, this psalm and take it in three chunks. And so hints of shaking, uh, psalm reading, and shaken for us. Uh, the psalm begins, uh, well, let me, let me give you these three hints and then um, we'll get into it. But it begins with a, uh, a title and it's called um, miktam. It's a Hebrew word, and uh, we don't know what it means. We have no idea what it means from other sources, but we find it six times in titles in the Psalms, and here we find it, and I'll put it up there for you, three hints of David being shaken, a miktam of David, and every time we find this in the titles, it's always around a grave danger or an extreme situation. And so what commentators believe is that this word somehow is connected with uh, people being shaken. So there's our first hint. The second hint is in verse 1 where David says, Make me safe, in you I take refuge. We found that word last week, refuge, and we talked about how prominent that word is in the Psalms. And think of yourself as a refugee, And you're the one on the newscast that's a refugee. And you're trying to run somewhere that's safe. And David is in that place of being a refugee. I'm going to run to you, oh God. You are the only safe place in my life. So he's running from something. And then um, he says that he has no other source of anything good in his life except from God. So he's running there for that. And he says, I have companions along the way, people I'm running with. But then when he gets to verse 4, and this would be the third hint, there are those who are running to other gods. So they are also running, but not to God. And he talks about how that's not going to work out very well for them. 
they're going to have buyer's remorse and be sorrowful for uh, who they have run to. But those are the three hints that we find in the psalm of there being some catastrophe in David's world. We have no idea what it was, and it's not. Uh, maybe it just makes it available to anybody who's in a place of, uh, of a crisis as we find ourselves in this world today. So, um, hints of shaking, and now we go to psalm reading. And um, I want to focus in on verses 5 and 6. Um, I'll put them up here for you. Lord, you have assigned me my portion, and the boundary lines have fallen to me or for me in pleasant places. Uh, Aren't those beautiful words? I I love this psalm for the beauty of the language that we find there, and these are two of my favorite verses in the psalm. But I wanted to get at what it means to, uh, when David talks about a portion, uh, you have assigned me my portion. And I'm going to put a map up here. The portions of the 12 tribes or family clans of Israel. And if you remember that about 400 years before David was king, Israel came into this land of Canaan. They came from Egypt and they had the wanderings in the desert for 40 years. They entered into the land right about here and they divided the land up into 12 portions. And as it turned out, the the best portions were probably Judah and uh, Ephraim, and just because of the strategic places they were. And so these 12 tribes, um, you, you think about the cake being divided up around the dinner table, and some people always get the biggest piece, and so Judah and Ephraim seem to have done that. Well, um, a portion was not given to one of the tribes of Israel. And this is where commentators go with this. A portion uh, was not given to the Levites or the sons of Levi because they were to be the priests and they were going to be scattered throughout the other uh, portions. And But what was promised to the Levites was from the Lord himself saying to them, I will be your portion. And so what what seems to be going on here is that David is saying, I like the portion. I like, I want the biggest piece. And the biggest piece is the Lord. It's not the land. The land will be shaken. There will be earthquakes. There will be armies invading. There will be locusts. There will be famine. There will be all kinds of stuff that will happen in the land. But I want to have refuge, not in the land, but in the Lord. I'm with the Levites. The Lord is my portion. And the boundaries have fallen to me in pleasant places. And he picks up that word pleasant again at the end of the Psalms. He talks about uh, pleasures of the Lord, eternal pleasures of the Lord. Isn't that beautiful? Uh, So the Lord is my portion. And then that gives him the confidence to say with, in verse eight, with what seems like a loud voice, I will not be shaken. So uh, there there you go. Uh, This is reading the Psalm. Now, I want to share a story with you out of my uh, own experience. In 1991, I was at the end of 
my um, seminary time. And I was in Vancouver is where my seminary was, but we lived this side of the border around Bellingham. And um, I had in those days a, a strong warning from a um, spiritual mentor professor, godly professor, that as I went back into my world, and which was, for me was the business world, I, I wasn't going to be a pastor, but he gave this warning to all of us um, regardless, is that in seminary you've learned a lot of wonderful things, a lot of tools you've picked up in both Bible study and in spirituality. And his warning was to not use these tools without first internalizing them in your own heart. Because to do so would make you dangerous to people around you. Because knowledge, according to Paul in the New Testament, breeds pride and feeds our ego. And so... Um, in my conversation with him, as I asked, well, what do you do? Because I have pride and ego. He said, well, read the Psalms. Make the Psalms your favorite part of Scripture. Or at least spend a lot of time there. They're so honest, and they don't let you get away with anything. And then he said, read the Psalms, and you will find eventually that the Psalms will read you. Okay, all right. So, June 3rd, 1991, uh, I was finishing up at uh, my seminary, as I said, and I, um, it, it was a beautiful day. And the kids, or at least two of our kids, our youngest and our middle son, were at a friend's house, my friend who was also in seminary, and he had two boys, and they were, I went over there to pick them up because uh, had, Patty had dropped them off there earlier in the day. And uh, again, I said it was a beautiful day, and they, they had kind of a, a farmhouse with a, a big hay field in front, and my friend and I were at the house, and we were looking out at the field, and these, these uh, boys who were all, um, say, four to eight years old, were running around out in the field. You could hear their laughter, and every once in a while you'd see their heads pop up uh, through the, the hay field. And it was just, I don't know, it was just one of those moments in life where I just blurted out, because I had been reading this psalm, Psalm 16. I said to my friend Dave, I said, Dave, I just feel like the boundary lines have fallen to me or for me in pleasant places. It just, it's just the feeling... I have right now. And uh, uh, he's reminded me of this many times since. So, um, and, and it's true. I, I wasn't sure where the future was, but I knew that my future was with the Lord. And it was just one of those days. Life is good, you know. And the next day, June 4th, 1991, I went up to, I drove up to Vancouver. And... Uh, about midday, or after lunch, I got a message. Somehow, I don't remember how, but I got a message to call home. And I called home, and I somehow got a hold of Patty, and I found out that our youngest son had taken a bad fall. And um, he had apparently had what was, I didn't know what it meant at the time, but it was a spiral fracture of his leg. 
and he was in the hospital and please get home as soon as you can and so I drove home and and got to the hospital and uh, Patty was there and, and Sam was there laying on the bed and he was writhing in pain now I know that like I said earlier every family has their scrapbook uh, memories of a time when they were shaken and and to the this is small and compared to some I, I acknowledge that and we've had other sense that have been bigger but it was it was really big at the time and I'll tell you what every parent knows I think knows this feeling of when you see your child writhing in pain just crying out and all they can say is they hurt and you, there's something inside the parent that wants to trade places with them. You want to absorb their pain. And that's what I was feeling that night. It was that strong. Well, we were, I was there a while, and, and Patty stayed all night, and I eventually went home. And on the way home, I, um, the words of this psalm began to haunt me. I could feel this psalm that I had been reading begin to read me. The boundary lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. I will not be shaken. I was shaken. I was shaking. And all I could do was go back to verse 1, which I had also remembered. Keep me safe, O Lord, you are my refuge. I run to you. I found my safe place in God. The psalm was still activated in my heart. The psalm was reading me as I was feeling my weakness, as I was shaking and trembling. And the Lord was my refuge. This is the way the psalms read us. So here's my challenge for all of us during this season, at least through Easter, is to, and I will, be sending, I will be sending this out to you this week. I'm going to send you seven psalms. And each of these psalms will have this sense of being shaken in it. And each of these psalms has the potential to read you. One of them will be this psalm, Psalm 16, which, isn't it a beautiful psalm? Another one will be the one from last week, Psalm 11. Uh, there's others. Psalm 46 is another one. But I... I'll send you the set, one for each day of the week. And just to go through these, take one if you want, just every day. But read the psalm and then allow the psalm to read you. I'm telling you, there's nothing quite like it. All right, let's let's finish up here. And this this psalm ends or, or draws near to the end with verse 10, which David says, you will not abandon me to the grave. That is David's voice. And in the Old Testament, the sense of the afterlife was really fuzzy. It's, it's not like the New Testament where it all becomes clear on, on Easter morning. Uh, there, the word resurrection isn't, isn't mentioned in the Old Testament. And it's, um, there, there was hope maybe of something. And David here... Is, seems to be basing his hope upon the character of God, upon the, the love and the power of God. And David, in his poetic imagination, in his spiritual life, cannot imagine that God would abandon him 
to the grave. That death would have the last word on his life. He can't fathom that. And so he says this amazing thing. But then he seems to change, uh, switch to the third person. And he says, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. And commentators aren't sure exactly what to do with that. But we know one thing is that when Peter and Paul in the New Testament find that phrase, they apply it to the person of Jesus Christ, the son of David, who came a thousand years later. And they say that God did not allow his son to see decay. Jesus Christ, the one who came and was shaken for us, he was shaken for us. He died for us, was buried for us, but did not, his body did not decay. His body did not decay, and he will be just as much alive four billion years from now when this son disappears. He will be as alive then as he is now and as he is to us as we are in this time, in this season of life. Where we feel shaken, he is unshakable. And what I'd like to do right now is just form uh, some prayers around that and ask you to, um, I guess, whatever is comfortable to you, but bow your heads and close your eyes and let's pray together. Lord, as we come to you, the truth be told that if we were to say, most of us right now today, I will not be shaken, we would be saying it with a shaky voice. We don't know the future. We don't know what's going to happen to us or to those that we love. What we do know is that for us as human beings, life is shaky. So, Lord... Allow your word to read us. May your word penetrate our hearts. And maybe right now we can imagine ourselves with the psalmist running as refugees to our God who is our safe place and our refuge and who will not be shaken. Not now, not ever. And as we imagine that, I'm just going to ask each of us to let our feelings run wild as well. The feelings of security and being held in the arms of someone who is so much more powerful. And whose voice is louder than all those voices that we hear that speak of fear. And we are inundated with those voices these days. And if there's any sense we can say, I will not be shaken, it's because we are with one who is unshakable. Oh, God, thank you for your promises to us. And, Lord, we also pray for our shaken world. We pray, Lord, that your light and your love would come into this world and that we might be your light as you tell us we are. We are the light of the world. And Lord, sensitize our eyes to see people, to really see people as they are with all their needs and with all their fears and to come alongside and bring hope. And we especially pray for any who are sick, especially those who are sick with this disease, this virus. Lord, we lift them up to you and we pray especially too for the caregivers who are needing your 
strength and energy. Lord, renew them. And we pray for those who are making decisions that those decisions would be wise. And finally, we pray, O Lord, for a strong sense of the truth and the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ as we are in this Easter season, that we would find our footing there. Lord, make that truth known to us. Drill it into our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.